0: funny is that last week uh our podcast was pretty short because of a storm
1: yeah and now an
0: actual storm is happening now we're hoping not here but somewhere
1: we got to really pray this week that we don't have a freak lightning storm um that's what happened last week uh and i think that I, i i couldn't really find any workable part of the podcast where we really talked about it so i i ended up cutting it out which kind of feels weird that we just had such a fast podcast and for no reason we're like speed running conversations and talking about the amount of time it takes for me to explain destiny which would otherwise be a facet of the cast but in this particular and that particular cast um not not possible um but i think the cool thing is that that was almost an appetizer an appetizer uh for this week's podcast which is all of that stuff basically again in depth because that's what we're doing. We're still doing the yeah, same things. Yeah, we're
0: just gonna talk about the same stuff. Yeah. I mean, now, now we've had time to digest our experiences from last time, so we could be a little bit more, a bit more eloquent ab- about them, I guess. Or not. We're never that eloquent.
1: Yeah, we're never that eloquent. Um, it is September the thirteenth. Be with you, and I am excited for September the twentieth. Be with you because that's when I should be receiving my copy of Yellow and Yangtze, whatever that is. You don't know what that is? Or or are you just are you just doing the uh, classic No, I don't t- know
0: what that is. Um
1: it is a Gaia project style re implementation of Tigris and Euphrates. So it is following along almost all of the same rules to the point where people who understand Tigris and Euphrates should be able to jump right in. Um, but it is a new implementation that is uh, releasing globally, I guess, for the mass market on September twenty.
0: That's pretty cool, but I got some breaking news for you. Oh, b- b-
1: break hit me, hit me.
0: I've got uh fresh news out of the new Nintendo Direct that aired just now. We've got coming to the Switch Animal Crossing. Oh, that's pretty We've big news. Luigi's Mansion 3 coming. We've got new Super Mario Brothers U Deluxe. We've got the Final Fantasy trilogy. I don't know what where, they are, but Where it's is coming. a
1: trilogy in We've Final Fantasy? Got Oh, it could the be. Katamari it could be the X Games. Final Fantasy X. New Katamari
0: yeah. Domasi coming. Oh to the no, it's
1: probably ones. Lightning Returns. That was the trilogy, right? Like, there's, there's like Final Fantasy. What was it? Thirteen. Let's take a look. There's like thirteen. Uh, so this is. Uh,
0: it's actually Final Fantasy Seven, Final Fantasy Nine, and Final Fantasy Ten and two
1: God damn!
0: HD remaster.
1: I gotta say, for for that is for me specifically. If you were gonna, it's funny because they skipped eight as well. Like they picked seven fan favorite, nine the best Final Fantasy, just you know best music, best tone, best story, awesome game in general. Um, and then they picked ten, which is the best game of all time. That's not true, but it is very. Is it a is a pretty
0: good. good one, though. It is, yeah. So that's a pretty hot list. I mean, I I could go for some more Animal Crossing.
1: Uh, I, I, I could feel like for the, sure. The
0: switch is, the switch is a little less portable than the 3ds, but it's it'll do. It'll do. I mean, that's
1: what I've been doing. I've I for I, I've been actually getting a lot of time with my switch recently um, because I was playing some. I was playing Iconoclast before, and I fell off it because I just nothing was like really uh, making me stick with it. I don't know if I I don't think I talked about this yet on the podcast, but I had gotten Dead Cells and. A kind of cursory glance it felt like uh dead cells wasn't the game for that podcast and now i have since returned to it and put in much more time than i have on the pc version and gotten a lot far further and i feel like it is a phenomenal switch game so i want to redact that um
0: yeah you want to hear about some more announcements oh yeah go ahead I've got this game called Town uh, by Game Freak coming out. It's a new
1: RPG. By Game Freak? Really? We've got
0: a Super Mario Party, which no one needs. We've got uh, a bunch of stuff bought from Asmodee Digital coming out. A whole slew of Asmodee Digital games, like uh, Carcassonne, Lord of the Rings, Pandemic. Lord of the Rings, the Katan. board game?
1: The really long one?
0: Lord of the Rings the living card game.
1: Oh, that's that's exciting. That is. Yeah. Um I also a- don't I also don't know if Pandemic is fun as a video game because it's
0: yeah, hard to say. I mean, it could be know. pass and play, but I don't I I, I just I mean, don't know. I mean, technically
1: you can make it pass and play if it's turn-based and you're dealing with the the different uh characters, but even then it's um I don't know. Uh I ge- I guess that's fine. Yeah, I've Cuts got uh, for
0: you. Cities Skylines, which is a pretty good city builder. Better a really than good city builder. SimCity. If I remember correctly,
1: that was the one that that came out in the wake of everyone hating... What was it? SimCity. Was it SimCity? Okay.
0: It was, yeah. After EA... Uh, Botched it? Did some weird stuff with their always online. Yeah. Uh, Sid Meier's Civilization VI.
1: See, that is, a, good that is a really interesting game for the Switch. I would probably get that. This, the is, this Diablo, is a big Nintendo Direct.
0: Diablo 3 Eternal Edition. They announced that it's coming out on November 2nd.
1: Yeah, if you needed a Diablo 3 on a Switch, sure, I guess then you'll have it.
0: Hey, that's a that's not a bad game to have portable. And there's probably a lot of people who haven't played Diablo 3.
1: I mean, and the game... Is good. I think Diablo 3 is a really good game, actually. And But, but I don't know if uh, it's a good Switch game.
0: Why? Well, you pick it up, you do a grift, you put it down... uh there's some new rpgs only so
1: hard i feel like diablo also is a little bit more fun as a cooperative game than like some of the other args like i i i really feel like whenever whenever people were on diablo at the time you pull you wanted to pull them in and grift harder and get better like density and everything like that I, i i don't know if diablo would work as well with um also with that con- those controls, but I guess I'm wrong because people like the Diablo on uh, consoles.
0: Yeah, it's good. It's a different game. They have like a roll mechanic, which sort of offsets your lack of aim.
1: A roll mechanic, okay. Uh,
0: yeah, you can roll around. I played it on PS4, I think. It was pretty good. Uh, you You probably know this, but The World Ends With You, Final Remix, is coming to the Switch on October 12th.
1: I absolutely love that game. I was shocked that they never did anything with it after it.
0: I haven't that, played it, so I'm going to play it. It's a
1: really unbelievably cool action RPG that has that really sinks its teeth into you. Like it's not a it, it kind of reminds me of like the first Kingdom Hearts. I think that's kind of what they were going for um where uh it's it the gameplay is fun, but you have a lot of progression hooks, so it's That is a very, very good game. And I feel like most people have fond memories of it. The story was really good too. Um, And it takes place in Japan, in like a, like in Shibuya, in like a weird, I think you're like fighting creatures that are like spawning in Shibuya or something. And that's good. I've been there. Shibuya is pretty cool. Yeah.
0: I'm looking forward to that. Uh, That seems cool. And, uh, you know, they said that Warframe is coming out. Uh, The specific thing that they said is new fans can join more than 38 million players. For the free to start co op space ninja action, when Ooh, Warframe I,
1: my oh never mind there it came back, um, yeah that's the hot switch news. Still a great platform as it turns out. Still loving it. I I pretty much take it everywhere with me. So um, it's a it's a, it's a good I, one. I
0: actually uh installed Dragon Quest Builders on the Switch and is so kind of made me want to get back into. I wish it. that were uh, on the originally. Switch. It is coming to the Switch. All oh, right, I probably pick delay. it up when it
1: comes to the Switch, but not before that i don't really want to i don't really want to really play an rpg like that on my on steam or something
0: but i'm digging builders originally i i threw it away because i had a save with four hours on it that got lost and i was like fuck that i'm not starting those four hours again but i had the itch to play it so i'm back in it that game's all right but i already talked about that
1: all right so we had breaking and news. unfortunately
0: i'm not i'm yeah, I'm not really further in Dragon Quest Builders than I was before. I sat down, played it for four hours in one day, and uh, I'll play it more.
1: All right. Well, that's some breaking news. Um, what have you been playing? Because this is a great time to be playing video games. I, I feel like this is the best time this year to be playing video games. I haven't been so enamored with uh, my set of video games in a while. I really felt like you, you know I'm bouncing and, off a lot of stuff. And I don't know if you and, feel
0: this way too. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you, but I don't know if you're also feeling like I'm pretty excited for stuff that's coming out soon.
1: Yeah, it's it's a great time again to play video games. I'm glad that we we yeah. had we kind of had a time where where board games were making up for a, a lack of video games. And I feel like I was I feel like there's a lot of stuff coming out that I was bouncing off of and was wondering like Is that me? But no, it's not me because I'm still loving a lot of the stuff out right now. And it's, uh, I, I, I'm having that, that time again, where it's just so hard to find time to play video games. Like you were talking about, about getting into blops, the new blops for it's uh, battle Ooh, royale. I talk about that. It, uh, but I just like, like even hearing like, you know, there's a new thing and even if it's good, like it's just not a good time. Like it, it, I, we, I, I have for the, for the first time in a long time, I'm like, Playing video games, and while I'm playing that video game, I'm loving it, and I don't want to stop. But I'm also thinking about like, oh shit! But I, I do want to do a little bit in this, and like I'm almost like min-maxing my time of like playing a couple hours of POE and and jumping off to play Destiny or or Dragon Ball Fighters and stuff like that. So
0: yeah, so let's talk about a couple I, of these. And games, I and I and I, I,
1: I really feel bad that I'm not playing Monster Hunter right now because the same a similar kind of thing happened where I never. Disliked any hunter, and I was I was enjoying every single bit of it and I wanted to keep going um, but it's just uh Now it's it's like I just don't have as much time
0: isn't to be excited about and for me one thing I'm really looking forward to playing is Call of Duty Black Ops 4 I don't know the last time you heard me say That I was excited about a Call of Duty game, but you know what's weird is I always pick up a Call of Duty game And I see, you know, they've got the multiplayer, which I'm always into. They've got the single player, which I'm never into. So for me, the fact that Black Ops 4 totally drops the single player, focuses on other stuff, including the multiplayer, including their new Battle Royale mode, that's a decision I can get behind because that emphasizes the things that I'm coming to Call of Duty to do.
1: Yeah, I feel like they have a lot, like, they have some good campaigns under their belt, so uh, it doesn't really... And there's games that are more focused on single player, so I feel like it's a good time for developers to go in the other direction. Like, it's it's always... It, you see it in everything. Like, in board games, it's, like, adding a solo mode to everything, and board games, like, inherently shouldn't be solo all the time because, like, why would you get out all this stuff to play solo if, if you you know if there's like
0: i don't know you tell me kingdom death monster guy
1: i don't know i mean i had that is a that that you're right like that's a that's only because of how much i liked the game and how hard it was to get that anywhere like if i if you were gonna say yes i would play kingdom death monster with you then maybe i yes, would have I shied play away from kingdom it death yeah but you, you but for there was a, there was a long time where you were adamant about not getting it anywhere near you
0: See, that's because at the time that we were talking about it, and we're getting way off base here, so I I do want to get back to blops, but when you first told me about uh, Kingdom Death Monster, it was when I was building my collection of games, and I didn't want to like it too much that I would have to buy it.
1: Yeah, that's a a good thing.
0: Now, I have a collection of games that I'm really happy with. I have some that are... On the way, I've got Enchanters Overlords on the way. Um, I'm sure you read the news that you know Black Rose Wars. It's in production, slated to come out in January. So at this point, I I feel like I've built up the willpower to not be impressed by Kingdom Death
1: Monster when I see it. Or not impressed or to, enough that I have to buy it, or to not like. Because I, I think there's the other thing of, like, there are games that you own that I I love so much. There's a secret possible um, first of my game of the year on tabletop games that I don't own. I don't even own it, and I think it's my favorite. But
0: You uh, mean Clank, of
1: course. I don't. But Clank is definitely... Clank is Food defi- Chain,
0: of course.
1: Yes. Clank is definitely... Yeah, Food Chain Magnate. I've been thinking about it, and Food Chain Magnate might end up being my shocking, like, game of the year. Because if I'm looking back on... Uh, experiences with tabletop games this year that I, I had, like, the most fun per second, and the most uh, of everything that I want. I think Food Chain hit everything that I wanted and was the most fun per second. and was, like, the most, like, worried about what other people are doing, and it was intelligent, and had it developed its own meta, like, quickly, to the point where players are already trash-talking each other and making, like, slick moves. I feel like that that is a game of, like, that, that it so like some of the games that that are coming out now or i'm playing i'm realizing that like i'm not as interested in if if you can't play even once and see something that is just like oh my god really that was so intelligent i i have to hate it but but it was a really brilliant play and i feel like food chain magnate so far is the one that most uh pops up with that most has the most amounts of that was an that was a good play
0: well, you got to play some Secret Hitler then, because I think it really shines there. But Black Ops 4. All right. I'm, I'm excited about this one because uh, Fortnite is a great game. Uh, and I, I can't say anything like negative about it, except that sometimes when I play a shooter, I like it to be about shooting people. Sure. Or, or, or slinging magic. Let's be real here. If I'm not slinging magic or shooting people, then, you know, what am I doing? And Fortnite is a super competitive, uh, really well updated, like like really great developers care a lot about the game because who doesn't care about something when you're making billions and billions of dollars? Uh, but I don't shoot people enough in that game. And Black Ops, the map is tighter. The, sh- the gunplay is, is that classic Call of Duty gunplay that, that you've been playing since Modern Warfare. You know it. You love it. It's awesome. But it's got that new flavor, that Battle Royale flavor. Yeah. And based on what I'm seeing, it really is that perfect marriage where if you get the game for Blackout, you're not going to be surprised by it because it is exactly what you expect. It is exactly Call of Duty Battle Royale.
1: Yeah, fly in somewhere, wingsuit somewhere, land down, rush to things. There you go.
0: Watch out because the areas that have the best loot might have zombies.
1: Okay. Black well, ops. Well, they they had to do it. I guess that makes me a little bit yeah. less excited just hearing that alone. That it had to shoehorn in zombies. Why? It's so. It's kind of fucked up that like their thing at this point is like got to put zombies in it. It's like, well, just be a goddamn zombie game. What the fuck? You're a military game.
0: Dude, you gotta have the zombies, but I feel like the zombies kind of make sense in the battle royale setting. I mean, even if you think about Fortnite, Fortnite started out as being that tower defense game against zombies.
1: Yeah, sure. We all remember that part of Fortnite that everyone loved.
0: Yeah, maybe maybe it's uh, the less memorable part. But, but I also like the way that they handle perks. I think they're kind of cool. You actually pick up perks and they're consumable items. You consume it and then... For the next, like, uh, you know, four or five minutes, you have access to it.
1: That's a a pretty cool thing. I don't know. I I think that it would have been cooler if the perks were toned down and then were a constant throughout the game. So you could really, like, get some weird, almost roguelike stacking of perks that should never be stacked. If you got lucky and, like, had a good game and, you know, traversed the map well enough, got kills... Yeah, and
0: what happens when you die, do you drop them? Like maybe that's No, maybe perks don't drop, maybe, don't
1: maybe other stuff does.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing with these uh with these perks that are consumables is that if you take it, then it doesn't drop for someone, but if you, you know, if you hold on to it, if you bank it and don't use it, then somebody else might get it
1: when okay. they kill you.
0: Uh, but but the open beta is this weekend, so you can play for free. To see if that mode is worth it for you. So I'm going to check that out. Uh, The thing that rubs me the wrong way. And that is going to always rub me the wrong way. I've got a problem with it in Black Ops. I definitely have a problem with it in Destiny. Because fuck this shit. Is the Season Pass giving you multiplayer maps. Yeah. Because I think about the idea of having Black Ops. And having it be a game of mine that I can play for a year. That Season Pass. And then I never played it after the first two weeks so this time when i got destiny 2 i the uh, forsaken i did not get the seasons did you i did wow you've got that much faith in these guys huh um
1: i'm i'm surprised i did but i'm very happy that i did i didn't that get the i didn't get the bongo wild. the bonkers mode i feel like I, I would have i feel like that's a mode like I okay so i think it's like isn't, isn't destiny Two sold out like forty for just the game, sixty for the game and the season pass, and there's like what eighty or something like that for uh like the season, like the ultra collector's edition of like it gives you some extra things, like some ghost skins or whatever. Um so I didn't get that. Like I, I normally would have, but uh I did not. Uh that was that was my yeah, concession. 60
0: 60 is okay. Um so Destiny 2 Forsaken. Um I played it, you played it. It's all right. It's pretty good.
1: Is that all you got? Just all right?
0: It's all right. I mean, here's the problem with the way that Bungie puts out content. And and you've probably read this criticism online, but Destiny 2 Forsaken has the best Destiny content, right? Yeah. But Destiny 2 the Forsaken does not iterate on the current content that's inside Destiny. And what I mean by this is that And I read this in a Reddit post, and I'm pulling it here because I think that it is a worthwhile criticism. Is you've got uh, you look at the end game loot table in Forsaken, and it's really just one set of armor for each current activity in the game per class. So what I'm saying is that you've got these seven sets of armor that are end game, that are the best of the best, and that's it per class. Whereas so. around 35 sets that are now obsolete. Aesthetically awesome sets. You know, totally different tones in the armor.
1: Yeah, couldn't you just... uh, Same thing with weapons. Can't you just uh, power level them up?
0: But they just leave it behind. No, you can't. And the reason is because Destiny 2 Forsaken has these new random roles that are really powerful and really exciting, and you wouldn't want to play without them. And the old the old set, it it doesn't have it. Okay. It just well, doesn't have just it. Don't have yet. And that's a bummer, right? I I hope that they that they make that consideration as they go through the game, because it used to be that every planet in Destiny had its own set, that each of the crucible seasons that they've had had its own set. And you know, they're slowly gonna add some overtime for Forsaken. But why not iterate with all the stuff you've already got? And isn't this a problem that Destiny has always had? Because weren't there a bunch of stuff in Year One that was really cool? And I, I don't mean Year One in Destiny One that they they just left behind mm-hmm. gear and armor and, and weapons that are just not in Destiny Two. Yeah, I'm not going to say
1: I'm not going to say that there's like perfection. I I mean I thought you were going to go a different route. Um,
0: Criticism up front.
1: Yeah. Uh. Like yeah. I do think that there should be. I think it would be cool if there were more sets of armor, and that the sets of armor had different random rolls. Um, to like really actually have some sort of like you know hunting down a set because it has certain random rolls, or like a piece because it has certain random rolls that you really want. Um, I have noticed that it, overall, I am now much more cognizant of my gear than I have been in Destiny previously because I. I feel like there are cooler uh, perks and stuff to add to like what weapons you are having, and then also like the weapon loadout. I think about way more than I ever have because the primaries and secondaries are kind of s- switched around, so you have to like make good choices of like here's my, you know, single target DPS. Here's my wave clear. Um, so and you know, getting perks for things. So for example, like bows, which usually suck for wave clear, I have one that is on the s- the secondary slot that has, uh, like, that explosive, um, like, get a kill with a critical, and then it explodes, and that's really good. So it actually ends up being good for Wave Clear. And what I just mean by that, it's like random rolls are both fun and exciting and making me think more about it. Uh, I do wish that there were uh, more cosmetic sets because the game is, like, a loot game, so you want to have more things to uh, chase um, um like there'll be the raid tiers and stuff like that, uh that come out very soon. But um yeah, I I yeah. do I do feel like I do feel like it would be easy for them to I don't know why they wouldn't just do something like have the old sets drop with random rolls like now or something like that. Like why why not just do that? Why leave in like it's weird to leave in old content that doesn't function the way that the new content does for like no almost no reason. Um, I, I do think that Bungie has been, is like hopefully like learning their lesson for the first time instead of just, you know, making an amends and then making another problem. I, I, I think that the, I think that the, the bigger fear that I have and what I also thought, another thing that I thought you were going to go in a, the direction of is that, uh, the Forsaken is the Taken King of Destiny. It's like the, uh, big massive expansion that came out like basically a year after Destiny, so it's the one that has like the big amount of content and it, and it, it, it this is a, a large amount of content and it'll keep players like playing on end and uh, it's a lot of like better repeat, not as interesting, but it is going to release the new end game stuff. So there's gonna be this like short that like following up on this in, you know like a couple months to like half a year or whatever, there's gonna be another release for Destiny that will be, much smaller, much less interesting, maybe not as tonally correct as Forsaken is, and then it'll like obsolete those old things, basically. Or maybe it'll it'll tie everything in together. But uh, I I I worry. I always worry about like their their pipeline because they because yeah. like now is their time to to hit again. Like they they did so well with Forsaken. People are going to be actually enjoying themselves for a, a long time. Uh, with this. Sure, yeah. And I, it, it it, just worries me that the next thing coming up is going to be a disappointment, because it usually is for for that. Yeah, like, sure. Like, Destiny usually I, has, I, like, I, two disappointing small expansions than a big expansion.
0: And, and you know, the thing that I'm also, like, I, I, that makes me question if Destiny is for me where I am right now is I don't know that I care about rating, And I don't also know that I can organize... A Trials of Osiris team because you work the weekends.
1: Yeah, yeah, there's that. So it's going
0: to be pretty hard to just uh, do some of the content in the game that is considered among the best. Yeah, but I hey, gambit's all right.
1: Yeah, I I don't know if I've yet felt like I need to raid. I, the the raid isn't out yet, but I I don't know if I feel like yet that like I must do that. And or that like that I have to do that um, because I'm having enough fun with the other stuff.
0: Well, you paid for that raid, so you want to do the raid, right? I mean,
1: I do. A, I, I hope that a forty dollar uh, raid, right? A uh, friend of the show, Phil Quinn, has like a smaller guild of like a clan or whatever of like four people, so maybe I can fit in. you and I can fit into that. Uh, I, I do wish that like I I don't have time to put that together, but if there was if it was already being put together. And I did have the time or, like, you know, I'm on and someone was like, hey, do you want to, like, do a raid where we're, like, trying to get the six people and, like, I'm already in a clan that's, like, big enough to just be like, okay, sure, if you if you don't mind, you know, teaching me a little bit, like, uh, you already got it together, I'll just go. Instead of having to go through the whole effort of putting one together and learning it or having someone who does know it, um, then, then that's actually much more palatable.
0: Yeah, we'll see. I I guess we'll see. We'll see what it looks like.
1: Yeah, but, uh, you know, it's it's good enough. I feel like it's really good. I'm feel like I'm really excited about it. I I I think that all the I think that the what I had talked about last week, I am I am much more excited about the subclasses. I feel more because of all the different changes, because of the new subclasses because of the uh like go fast update I guess, you know, giving us better like quicker regen for everything and bet more powerful exotics that allow you to do some like crazier things um that i am uh much more excited in just that sandbox like i'm i'm excited to play destiny because now when i play my my warlock with the new like arc uh subclass i i feel like i'm more of like an actual like space wizard and it's not just as uh, just always about the shooting like you like now i have that that ball lightning i can throw around and i have like more way more interesting moves uh overall uh i just got the subclass the fire subclass uh for warlock that allows you to like slam your sword into the ground and then create this like aoe well that powers up and heals enemies uh your allies and that has been really fun and that is like you know, one of the most beneficial team oriented supers that I think has ever been in the game. And it feels exciting to put that down and to have everyone like suddenly see that like visually and clump up on that spot and get the extra damage. And like those things are like the things that I think Bungie needs to lean into is not just like, like, yeah, sure. The the shooting and the guns have to feel good, but you, you should also feel like, you know, like it's destiny, like you're, you're a weird space wizard you can put down this this like powerful magic aura and everyone clumps up on you to get its buff. Like that's those those things kind of feel great. Um
0: Yeah, that stuff is cool. I mean, but at the same time, I'm not looking to make friends here. I don't want to I don't want you to stand in my aura. That's why I'm playing the hunter. I just throw knives at stuff.
1: Yeah. Um but I feel like it's a really good update and I feel like uh, Gambit is incredible I, I don't think we, we didn't talk about it last week because I hadn't played it yet but now I've played it and I, I really enjoy that it is uh, why is it incredible? Uh, because I, I, I really like the pacing of it and there's a lot of different interesting things I think that some of the what some, is it some of the most incredible aspects of it are offset by the fact that there can be uh, poor balance like a four stack versus uh, four randos but anyway uh, it's a PVE PVP mode at the same time um, that. So
0: it's League of Legends. Okay. Yeah, it has
1: some cool. I, I I really like that it has uh like drops and experience, so you're still kind of doing your PVE grinding, but it also has uh, some PVP in it. So it's it's actually like really s- simplistic. It's I think it's like a really good uh game design overall because it's very simplistic and easy to grok the concepts, and then there's enough like curve ball thrown in it to make it so that there's some more interesting strategies. But the main idea is that is that you you before you st- you load in you get an enemy chosen that you're just going to be fighting that enemy the entire time, and uh you you spawn on this map and there's different areas that the enemy can spawn in waves almost like a horde mode. You're killing the enemies, uh, they drop moats and you're depositing the moats. Uh, first team you're, you're playing against another team at the same time that's doing the exact same thing. first team to hit 75 of these spawns a prime a boss that they need to beat to end the round um, and the PvP hook thrown in it is that uh, players are allowed to uh, one at, at one at a time. Uh, invade the other teams like active game so and the, and they get yeah, wall but,
0: I mean, reader, yeah the invader yeah i can see where the other players yeah, are so you yeah. know it's 1v4 they get an advantage
1: they get wall They're hacks like they get a bigger shield so you can feel excited about being that and uh, you know there's a lot of interesting things to this uh, there's a lot of like wrinkles thrown in to make this even more interesting so if you save up a lot of motes at a time uh, before you actually drop them into the depositor thing then you can get these larger from like small medium to large blockers which basically disable the enemy's ability to drop their motes and it gives them a, like a little mini boss to fight um, but it's dangerous because obviously, if you kill, if you get killed by the enemies or you get killed by the uh, the opponents, then you drop everything. Um, so yep. so it becomes this like tightrope of yeah, of, the it, more, nice of the
0: more of the
1: yeah. more moats you have, like the the longer you're waiting, the bigger the reward to drop the moats back, but also the more dangerous it is for you to die because you're gonna set your team back like sometimes in huge ways. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. if you're holding fifteen. Well, yeah. Yeah, then you you set them back also the the when the uh, when the enemies invade they can look at the amount of moats that everyone has so they can target players that are really holding out for those big blockers um then there's yeah. other stuff that i think there's a lot of like interesting stuff to do with like the fact that the enemies and you are kind of getting the same waves so do they, like, get a couple quick kills and then try and deposit to get, like, a small blocker? Or, like, you know, it's, it's almost like a dilemma of, like, well, I want to get a bigger blocker, but if the enemies hit, hit us with a small blocker, then, like, it might be dangerous, and then I might, there, there's more time to, uh, yeah.
0: And, but, but part of me also feels like the game could have more PvP in it. Like, I understand, like, it would be cool if at some point and I don't know where they would put it, but what about a team fight? would be kind of cool, even if it were just like a tiebreaker. Like, let's say that there's like a... Like, you score one and they score one, and then there was some sort of tiebreaker where you're both fighting, like, this big boss, like a Baron Nasher, and you're trying to, like, take out the enemies and deal more damage to them. Sort of like a Heroes of... Maybe more like a Heroes of the Storm sort of fight, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I think it would be cool if um they took away the only one invasion limit when like maybe the opponent has their prime evil up and and your team doesn't uh that could be a really cool thing to add more um like pvp and to get you back in the game if you can handle it uh i will say that there's some really cool things like uh, there's other cool things of like the opponent the prime evils are healed whenever anyone dies to pve or pvp so I've had yeah, games, that is pretty slick. I've had games where, um, like I, I, there was one game where my team was behind and we hadn't even summoned the primeval, and the enemies had the primeval. And I thought, like, you know, there's not a lot of chance. And and I jumped into the enemies' game and like threw out a super, got like three kills with a super, which slowed them down so much because it not only did it heal the primeval to full health, but it dropped three people out of the game for a short time. So yeah. our, my team caught, got caught up, and then we burned down the boss. And the thing that's-, that's
0: cool about the invasions, yeah, is that even though there's not a lot of PvP, the PvP that does happen is so meaningful because you feel so powerful. It's so impactful. Your kills in in uh, Gambit mean so much more than they do in like a regular Crucible match. But there's also this balance because when you leave to go to the other side, your team is losing DPS. So yeah. there is a trade
1: they're losing DPS and they're also losing someone to scoop up the blockers like they're the, the moats like I think that that there is another huge problem of like I've noticed that on bad teams they just invade 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 because there's someone who's just like I want to PvP and like this isn't necessarily the mode to just always PvP this is like a balance between that and the more that you have one person always other over there trying to fight like if they're successful then it's good but if they're if they're being sent over there and then they get targeted quick or get dropped quick and then they die then not only do they waste time off your map they're they're wasting that ability to you know what you just said to to add dps to the 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 horde of enemies and to pick up more motes and to even further the experience because like when you're invading you're not furthering your team you're slowing down their team
0: yeah so do you have a go-to strat like how do you like to play gambit
1: um i do try and uh, I, I, I originally was invading a lot and I was that person because I thought it was good. Um, but I slowed down on that and, and like, I, I try to invade when the time is right. I, I feel like I use invasion. I think of invasion as like a balancing tool to like the enemy is starting to get too far ahead and I have to go over there and make something happen to like put a, uh, a wrench into their into their cogs. Um,
0: Do you wait until you've got your super or do you wait for like heavy? Do you, or do you you just go?
1: um, It depends, I guess. I mean, one of the things I really like about the mode is it's a really, like a lot of other games of this, uh, of this ilk, you mentioned like, uh, like league a little bit or, or hots. um, Those games are all about every second you're doing something important and uh, to play gambit. Well, you should either always be shooting the enemies and be ready to pick up the drops and to make that choice of like when do you deposit, when do you cash out, uh, or y- like you make that choice of like I n- I need to go over to stop their progress. So any second that you're like waffling between, is it a good time to or not do something that you're like wasting time if you're not over yeah. at the enemy spawns or you're not like being effective at invading, then you're wasting your team's time.
0: The thing that I do the most is I actually just stay out of everything. I just snipe. And the thing that's cool about that is you don't pick up moats, So the invaders aren't interested in you, but you've got a, f- a really good view of the battlefield. So you see those invaders coming in and I've been really good about taking out the invaders before they get to my team.
1: That's very helpful. Strategy. I think
0: that the, the gambit is a pretty good mode for coordinated teams.
1: I I think that what you're saying also is why uh, the issue is with the matchmaking, because it's for people, the the mode rewards uh, winning uh, in a row for having consecutive wins, and I feel like uh, you're much better as a team, obviously, uh, which is fine, which is good, but it, it feels like, you know, if I'm solo player, then I need to be, we need to be on an even team with the enemies. Yeah, that's Gambit, and I think that's Destiny. Did you Did you finish the story? I did finish the story, and I've been to the Dreaming City.
0: I am not in the Dreaming City, but I feel like the story... And I feel like this is a problem that Destiny has in all of its story, but I feel like it always ends too soon.
1: Um, I think the story is a little bit more fleshed out this time around. Um, I really think that it's probably the most fun her moment of any destiny story because the individual fights with the uh like the forsaken leader bosses or whatever they are uh the forsaken eight or whatever are the hateful Hateful eight are um are really good and very tone the very like individually uh interesting and like unique towards that particular enemy which has a good vibe for hunting down those things um I really like, I, it took me longer to do this Destiny story than it has ever taken me to do a campaign in Destiny. Um, and uh, I felt like I was having fun the entire way and th- that it has a pretty satisfying conclusion. And that it keeps going after that.
0: Yeah. I, and I guess I'll see where it goes. One thing that I've sort of always felt should be a criticism against Destiny that maybe enough people don't talk about is they talk about like, oh, you're in the lair of the... Uh, of the rider and you're like, oh shit, this is the lair of the rider and it's so cool, I'm going in it for the first time. And then you're in the lair of the machinist and it's actually just the lair of the rider, but backwards.
1: Yeah, they it's do like, that. What
0: the hell? Like like They can't have the same so layers. Weird. Yeah, I mean it is it is it feels weird. Especially when it's like, okay, so there's only gonna be six bosses, like these six guys and you couldn't make a place for each of them. And maybe this isn't a fair criticism. I don't know. But I don't know. It just feels kind of kind of destiny, right? It feels a little cheap.
1: Yeah, I guess some of that is like built into uh, if they want to call it an MMO, like backtracking to areas, seeing the same thing and kind of developing a sense of like understanding or an attachment to that place. Um, yeah
0: but but i'll tell you that in wow they never said this is the lair of the dragon king and then later this is the lair of the druid keeper like like th- i feel like they never did that exact thing that that th- they allowed the places to have ownership okay where this place was for this person like they belong here it's their faction but in destiny it's all about taking the same thing and remixing it which is fine. A lot of games I like do that. I mean, Path of Exile just remixes everything. That's how they, that's how they're able to produce so much content so quickly. But Destiny doesn't produce that much content, so I feel like it should just be of a higher quality. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's a weird criticism to have. Maybe I'm nitpicking because
1: no, I think that's fair. But I I, I do think that it's a it, it's a little bit different just from a. Like a like to, to play Devil's Advocate it's a different thing from a designer standpoint because WoW has always reused the shit out of everything. Like they have pallets. They they literally have like just the same, you know, building one and building two that they plop down everywhere, so it's a lot easier for them to create large spaces because they must have designer tools for just mapping out the land than just dumping a bunch of like trees and and reused buildings for whatever that type is uh yeah, so
0: paint, paint the city essentially yeah right?
1: i don't i don't know if wow even ever felt too much like the areas were that unique i mean the things that i liked about wow wow's areas were like you know forming attachment to like you know when i was playing alliance in the very beginning of like duskwood or or elwynn forest or something because you spend so much time there but it's not like that i don't know if that if like the area itself is so interesting or unique it's the same you know like like they reuse all the trees and caverns and everything over and over again they almost have like a designer like uh uh world building tool that it's very obvious when you look at it whereas destiny everything is more bespoke it's like the like tangled shore and dreaming city are these like handcrafted areas so maybe if they want to reuse them for something like they they look great they look better than wow i mean that's a low bar they look much much better than wow and destiny also does the thing where i feel like in this expansion especially you'll be in a strike or a mission or something and you'll be walking along this like beautiful area where you like don't fight anyone and just think and I, and all i could think about is like designers like you know like someone did a mock-up concept art that is like really gorgeous and then g- designers spent like days handcrafting and like doing this area and then people just walk through it.
0: Fair enough. So, I mean, that's all that I have to say on Destiny. I'm going to play it more. I, I'm really digging the gameplay. Uh, the question is, is whether or not Destiny is going to be the multiplayer game that I go to. Yeah. And like I said, it is a pretty spicy fall. I'm excited for a lot of things, Ryan. Uh I'm I'm a little bit excited for Red Dead Redemption. I don't know I love the if first Red Dead my Cup of tea. Yeah. But but I might I might get into that. But at the same time, uh you were here for my recent speech about open world games. Yeah, that see but that's
1: I, that worried me because the fir- you mentioned Red Dead and Red Dead is Red Dead Redemption is one of my favorite games of all time. But I also played it back when I was in high school and I you know, like had the time to be able to go home and play for eight hours and that that was like something that can make my life. And I again, I don't know if like if Red if I'm going to play Red Dead Redemption, it really has to put everything else to the wayside. And is Red Dead Redemption better than like Destiny, Path of Exile and Dragon Ball Fighters at the same time? No, I don't know. It's hard to say. That to be really damn good. But you did, I, I want to talk a little bit about Path, though, because you did mention yeah, that. Yeah.
0: yeah, let's talk about Path of Exile, because I am playing a very strange build. Let me tell you about my build, and, it, and it's so funny to people who don't play Path of Exile to be like, oh boy, here we go. Here's James's build this time. So I am playing a Guardian. A Guardian is a Templar who empowers his allies. Now they've included some really cool updates to Path of Exile for summoning, where they've given the Templar some more summoning nodes in his area. So now as a guardian, it's not just about empowering your party members with auras. It's also about creating uh, an army of minions who you're empowering with your guardian auras. That alone is pretty kick-ass. But one thing that is really important is a bit of synergy that's going on, because there's this new skill called Herald of Purity. And what heralds of purity does is? It gives you flat physical damage, and whenever you kill an enemy, it summons a sentinel of purity. But I want to emphasize the important thing here that that's going to make my build magical is this flat physical damage. The reason is that there is an item in Path of Exile. It's a pair of gloves. It's called Facebreaker. Have you heard of them?
1: I have not actually. I don't. Or no, I don't know.
0: Facebreaker is one of the most popular items in Path of Exile. Not not popular, but it is a build defining item. It is a pair of gloves that when you are unarmed, it multiplies your physical damage by up to 800%. Okay, so,
1: so you're you're unarmed and you're just punching with these face breakers.
0: And the Herald of Purity is giving you flat physical damage because, remember, all your physical damage comes from your weapon by default. If you don't have a weapon, you're not doing damage. But Herald of Purity gives you a little bit of it, right? Okay. So that's a cool synergy. You know, I mean, that's that's a very basic generic synergy. But the place where it gets cool is that I'm using a sword called the Dancing Dervish. Are you familiar with this guy? Mm-mm. The Dancing Dervish is a sword where... After you get a kill streak, so after you've killed like 20 things, essentially you're sating the sword, you're covering it in blood, it comes alive and acts as a minion for the duration of your rampage. So what's happening is the sword is leaving your hand, becoming a minion for you, and then you're unarmed and your face breakers activate.
1: Well, that's really cool.
0: So it is a really cool synergy because I'm playing this minion base build and I'm getting the additional minions off of the Dancing Dervish. But at the same time, I have these face breakers, which are making me hit really hard. So it's not like the minions are doing all the work for me. It's really this 50-50 split. And it's a totally new, totally fresh play style just introdu- introduced with Delve.
1: All right. Well, Delve itself is an incredible addition to the game. I really, really like it. I um they've they've added a they've they've been tweaking it, they've been patching it as GGG does, and last week I said that uh Grinding Gear Games is really good at coming up with a concept and not good on execution and they, they botch it sometimes and then they fix it right away. And it's usually not a big problem. So if they if you like their the concept for the league and maybe it's not done well, then wait a week and then they'll have fixed it. And I feel like this is an incredible uh ex- this incredible addition to the game, uh an incredible league. This is probably my favorite league of all time, bumping out I guess War for the Atlas or whatever. Um and maybe also the uh uh what was the the one where it the et- you follow the enemy tunnels? Abyss. Abyss league. Yeah, I liked Abyss league a lot too. Um but uh, it has all the makings of an incredible league, and uh, what that means is that you are always uh, eat from you know early levels. You are doing this delve thing. Uh, it, it is rewarding you with delve. By the way, is you're finding this voltaxic sulfite on the ground as you're playing the game, and that goes into a meter which you can use to go into the delve map. And the subterranean uh, map, and you are choosing a infinitely branching path. Uh, what's the next thing you want to go to? And there's a certain amount of voltaxic sulfite that is required to go to the next node on this map. But you're mainly escorting this uh, this this crawler, this minecart, and uh, through these tight tight quarters while you are assaulted with like probably some of the most insane monster density i've ever seen constantly it, it's it's really incredible and people that's another part of leagues is like and one of the reasons why people have issues with beast theory and why that never seemed to manifest afterwards was that the league was uh slower in its concept of like hunting down these enemies whittling them down and capturing them rather than just like Delve where you are following this minecart and being assaulted with hundreds of enemies as you're moving for sure.
0: Do you feel and, and I feel this way, so this is not like a trick question. Do you feel like we're coming to a blurns ball in this in this in this game? Because you walk through the end game of Path of Exile and you're running into like a dozen different end game mechanics.
1: Yeah, I was thinking that. Like, how do they re- yeah. how do they reconcile some of that stuff? There's
0: some mechanics. You know what I think they do. Do you want to know my secret? Sure. Do you sure. want to know my my what I think is going to happen next league? They're reworking all of the masters. So, like Katarina, like Haku, these essentially what the masters are for those who don't play the game is they're people who you do quests for. You build up reputation with them and then they offer you new crafting abilities. They also However, kind of suck. they suck. So what I think is going to happen is they're going to roll old League mechanics into the Masters, where maybe Haku is Delves, or maybe Elioran is Incursions, something like that.
1: Yeah, and Katarina is Abyss or something, yeah. to yeah. To make it so that... Like those
0: are obviously
1: yeah those are interesting fun things like I mean we just say they suck they're they're mainly just boring because every league you start out with a blank slate and that means that all the masters are at a blank slate and they're this kind of grindy obnoxious thing that you kind of have to do and they slow down the game a lot and they're not fun I you you like I feel like I'm yeah. never happy when I see something like when I see like get, get hit a Telamon warrior
0: zana yeah yeah but the, I don't know if you know this but they already reworked zana this
1: league they did actually rework XANA this league in a really cool way that is not cool to anyone who's not playing Path of Exile but um yeah she she is, used to just instantly cool. XANA, when you would fi- find her do the daily missions would always just open a map and that map would have. Uh, just like any of their maps on in Path of Exile have these like random modifiers that add to the enemies. And sometimes they would make things that are unplayable for certain builds. Uh, it's very simply stuff like like a like an elemental reflect where whenever you hit some an enemy with uh, your elemental ability, you take a percentage of that damage reflected back at you. So if you're a physical build, then why does that matter? That's actually totally fine. That's a waste of a modifier for the enemies and if you are an elemental based person and you're really slinging a lot of spells you can probably just kill yourself uh to those enemies so like that alone kind of explains why why Xana had this kind of problematic aspect to her where she's rolling and is sometimes creating maps that are like undoable for certain builds so the main reason, the main thing that they changed here is that when you talk to Xana, she gives you a choice of maps, and you get to look at what those maps are beforehand. So you can look at... like Some
0: of those are like so good. They're like complete a labyrinth trial, which is like if you're looking for labyrinth trials, there you go. There's kill a harbinger. I don't know anything I want to do in Path of Exile more than kill harbingers.
1: Yeah. I, I feel- So
0: many juicy ones.
1: Yeah, um... It's a it's a really good league. I, I I feel like we're talking more about the stuff that are like good for regular Path of Exile players. I I, I think that like the overall league mechanic is so cool. this like you you are like in this this uh, subterranean mine, following along a minecart without any sound, kind of just hearing the ricketing of the minecart with and you can't walk out of the minecart's light because if you walk out of the minecart's light you start taking damage because it's the darkness so it starts trying to consume you so your and when I say escort I also it's important to say that the minecart doesn't have health so you're not like the minecart uh, uh yeah. follows along a, it,
0: the way they say it is you're not escorting the minecart the, the minecart mine mine is escorting is you.
1: you yeah in uh in Path of Exile the minecart escorts you But, um, you are, so you're following along this thing and I I really like the overall, like the atmosphere of the mines. I like the, the, everything about it. Like I, I was thinking like, why am I having so much fun with, with Path of Exile? Because all you're ever doing is like, all you ever really want to do in a lot of cases is just like, you're doing things to kill big, like packs of enemies. And then you're, you're getting better at killing other packs of enemies and doing damage faster. Um, and I, I, I don't know why like the delve manages to almost give it a different twist. I mean, it's more, and it's higher, it's much higher monster density. So it ends up being like maps and, uh, the overall campaign and the maps are like, you know, those are monster density, like lower monster density and like kind of more about movement and optimization. Whereas the delves are this just waves after waves of enemies and it's really satisfying when you have a good build. Um, I I can't stop playing right now because not only do I like this, this whole delve mechanic, which the delves, by the way, another thing to say is like, they're really rewarding the uh, I didn't, I obviously didn't feel like this at first, but once you put more time into it, the, 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 like going to the different nodes, like one of the really cool things about path of exile is a million things dropping at once. Even if, though, even if you don't get a big thing, it's exciting. And as you're moving along this minecart, none of the enemies you're killing of these huge waves drop anything, which is important because that would be terrible. Um, instead, you move the minecart to the next node. Uh, you complete, like, whatever that node is. So sometimes they're, like, you know... A lot of times they're just literally, like, like wave-based fighting, like horde modes uh, for a certain amount of time. And... Then after that, everything drops, from all the enemies you were killing on the way to everything you were killing uh, during that fight. So you just get this big, satisfying... Like, like the the encounter is over, and then, like, 40 things just drop. And because of that, I feel like I'm getting... Uh, because of the monster density and some of the uh, rewards with Delve, I've, I feel like I'm, for the first time, getting more interesting loot than I've ever gotten. I usually can i can spend an entire league without getting one noteworthy piece of loot like you look for that one time you know if you can possibly if you get lucky uh to get that uh that uh what is why can't i think of the name of the currency
0: exalted orb? exalted
1: orb you're looking like, you're looking for that big exalted orb drop to kind of put stuff online for you for that league and uh other than that i really don't get anything i really don't get any like Uniques of note or anything like that. And this league, like, I've gotten things that worked for my build for the first time. And that's like incredibly exciting. I wish it could, the game kind of yeah. had more of that.
0: Well, yeah. And I think that the way that they work it, especially in Delve and the way that they've been trying to do it, you know even since incursion in bestiary is they really want people to be crafting and they give you the tools to be crafting so that it's not just about finding that cool thing. And, you know, that's the destiny dream of like finding that thing and regaling people with a story. But honestly, in path of exile, it's about forging. It is about making something that belongs to you. Yeah. Like using, using the fossils that they give you, the fossils, uh, lock certain mods into gear that you craft. So you can craft something that's like has physical mods, doesn't have elemental mods, like more life modifiers, but no energy shield, evasion, armor modifiers. So you're making something that, that is what you want it to be. Yeah. And I, I really like that that's the way that they're moving because by emphasizing the league mechanics about crafting then there's something that everybody can look forward to because if they release like five crazy chase items, there are going to be some builds because of just like, you know, the dynamic scope of builds in path of exile that don't care about those items. So what do you have then you really do have crafting something for yourself. And that's why on the path of exile Reddit, you don't see people showing off their set of uniques. You see people showing off the pieces that they've crafted themselves.
1: Yeah. Um... So there's so much to like about this mechanic. Um, and uh, I, I, there's so much that, I, that has, like, I, I feel like for for me as a player, this is the league that I've had, I've encountered the least amount of friction. And what I mean by that and, like, why I'm playing so much is that I'm always uh, progressing in a way that I have never felt like I have before in, in Path of Exile. Um, I also am pro- probably playing my favorite build I've ever played, um, I'm playing like a, to- a caustic arrow toxic rain build with pathfinder and there's, and that's a new build and there's so many exciting things about that. Okay. So, so caustic arrow is reworked and it's, you just shoot an arrow and it makes a pool of poison. Um, but they also added toxic rain, um, scourge arrow, which is this like, uh, channeling ability that I'm not currently using. Um, that just got buffed last night. Oh, okay. Yeah. I saw that. Um, and probably one of the bigger ones herald of agony which is almost the offset of this herald of purity they're talking about where as you do poison stacks you're summoning a like a, a minion that uh, shoots uh, poison darts so my current build is like I have this toxic rain where i shoot a volley in the air and then it creates all these seeds that explode and poison people then i have caustic arrow which i shoot an arrow and it makes a pool of poison and as i'm poisoning uh uh enemies i get that the uh herald of agony proc where herald uh, this this minion comes out of the ground and starts shooting poisonous uh uh like volleys and uh I feel like I have, like, the best wave clear that I've ever had. It's a really exciting build. Uh, Pathfinder, the, um, not the uh, Dungeons & Dragons thing, uh, but the uh, Ascendancy... Was also reworked, I think. And it was all the poison stuff. uh, So it has some really cool poison things where when you poison, when enemies die to poison, they explode and poison nearby things. Um, And it has all these cool stuff to do with flasks, which is adding this whole other mechanic to me that like I'm usually not as invested in my flasks. But because of this build, I'm able to do more with flasks and it makes me a lot more survivable. I also feel like the build in general that I went for has uh, tons of built in uh, elemental resist, which yeah. is are, exciting.
0: Are using like the poison flasks like Coralito's signature, stuff like that
1: yeah um uh, I feel like I'm more excited about flash, which makes me more excited about things to drop i I feel like my big get i don't know i haven't even looked at how expensive it is it's probably not expensive at all, but it just felt amazing was that uh and my like destiny story for this for this league i, I did get a six link I, I for the first time ever i saw a natural six link drop, which I've never seen um but it
0: wasn't natural it was corrupted which it was corrupted. Is the opposite of natural, but yeah.
1: Okay, sure. Um, but it's the first time I ever saw a Six Link ever drop, so that's something. Um, it but makes probably a cool noise. Probably one. Of, it is a really cool noise, and it's a cool looking effect. Um, but uh, I uh, was looking at different builds, looking at ones that I liked of different things. I, I, I can. I can also say that that I'm really excited that when I initially uh, started playing this league, I I I never found anything for Pathfinder that I liked. But you were saying you should go Pathfinder. So I did pick Ranger, even though I saw a lot of the initial builds with with caustic arrow were uh, like trickster builds and stuff like that. So I basically like built a, a a build myself for the first time, like really looking at things and really looking at nodes of like where do I want to go. And what I did was like I I didn't do it um, I, I didn't do it from scratch. I really just took a trickster build that was caustic arrow and reworked it because they kind of also touched on the ranger area of the of the uh passives tree so i kind of reworked it to be uh in the trickster area and uh but be a pathfinder and um as i played i eventually i found a guide that i did like that was pathfinder and that actually kind of basically was the same build that i was going for so that's kind of exciting to like it's kind of a, I, I think it's it's like, you've talked before about how it's like sad to, to like come up with a build that you think is bespoke and then someone else is doing almost the exact same thing, but like they're better at, you know, path of exile efficiency and optimization that they like did it a little bit better. But I think it was kind of exciting to be able to be like, know enough about the passive tree to know like what nodes I really want to race for. And then to do that, and then all of a sudden look at a bit and like, days after I'm working towards a build, look at a build that was like, Oh, this is what I'm doing. Exactly. So I just, now this just gives me a little bit of ideas for, for nodes that I was like thinking, I was like iffy about, uh, I'll just go do what they did. Um, but that build, uh, had a, I can't not, I cannot remember the name of this flask, but it's a flask where it's, oh, a th- it's, uh, the, it's a stab night flask, um and it's a thousand evasion and it drops a smoke cloud
0: that's all stab night flasks
1: okay well there, there's a uh, i got a drop for a unique stab night flask that drops like a smoke oh, cloud Witch's brew or something something like that um that drops like a cloud gives me evasion and uh pu- and like uh curses enemies near me um and yeah
0: that would be a witchfire brew
1: yeah, so I saw the build using that, and I was like, yeah, that actually really seems to work well for a ranger that is, you know, op- you know, trying to build defensively for um, having more evasion than anything else, and I understand why they would go for that, especially with this Pathfinder build that is, like, really ba- based around flasks, and... Uh, that has some really exciting things for uh, flask usage, not even using charges and getting constant flask charges that coupled with like that. Uh, uh, the what is what is the thing? There's so many things in Path of Exile. This really is Blernsball, Ball where you're where when you build when you kill the gods, you get the uh, the Pantheon. I guess. Pantheon, yeah. Um So there's a thing with Pantheon where if you haven't used flasks in a while, you start regenerating them. But then Pathfinder has a built-in thing where it regenerates flask charges every three seconds. Um, so those things like really may mean that like this is a character that like cares more about their flasks than almost anybody else. And I f- I found that drop. I found the witch's brew like right after I was looking uh, about that. Like I got a-, a unique flask drop, and for the first time, I was excited. And then to like. Uh, uh, look at it and be like, "Wait, this is the thing I was just just looking at." A high level person using this flask, so that's so exciting! Like it, that was a that was like a really yeah, cool I mean, league moment.
0: It's like a ten chaos drop. It's not bad. That's pretty good. Uh, so I guess that's Path of Exile. Excited to be playing that. Uh, it is definitely the best example of take it off the shelf, put it back. Always excited to revisit it. But at the same time, and I think I've said this before, playing Path of Exile always makes me want more out of other developers. It, it makes me more critical.
1: Yeah. Because they are doing a fantastic job with this league, man. This league, like, I feel like when it came out, it, it came out to like mixed reviews from the fans, and there's a lot of issues and bugs and. Uh, even I like when I was initially like doing it is like you hit all these voltaxic node things and you finally do the delve and like it just wasn't rewarding at all. And I wasn't really understanding like like this is the mechanic like this is just not that fun and and it makes me it takes me away from playing the the campaign and, and you know doing all the stuff that I want to do to get to endgame and how wrong I was like it, it the the delve like over leveled me and Right now, I haven't even like reworked my gear yet, so everything I have is like self-found. Currently, I really do need to spend money on some higher vitality gear, but um, uh I I don't know. Like the, the the league has been really rewarding and fun.
0: That's the deal with Path of Exile. Let's get into some P games, man. We have to stop saying that we're we're talking about tabletop games. Talking about board games, unless there's other video games that you have, because I'm all
1: ears. I'm all out.
0: All right. Well, what are you looking forward to? Let's let's get into that a little bit. Are there other games you're looking forward to? We talked about uh, Red Dead Redemption. I'm also looking forward to Hitman Season 2. I'm looking forward to Soul Calibur 6. I'm looking forward to Fallout 76. Looking forward to that last game of the year, which is Smash Brothers Ultimate. What about you?
1: Um, the only thing you mentioned there and the only thing I'm really like actually looking forward to is Soul Calibur. Um, because I like fighting games, and I feel like I am super at a point where I'm just more excited for the games that I like. Um, I'm looking forward to uh, what Bungie does with Destiny, and in the very near future, I'm more looking forward to seeing what Arxis does with Dragon Ball Fighters because I just cannot stop playing that game. I absolutely love it. Uh, Cooler is coming out later this next month in... Uh, or maybe at the end of this month. Um, so I'm excited about Cooler and whatever whoever comes along with that. Also, they're selling like hotcakes and selling hard on the on the Switch. Which, um, if there wasn't already plans to do a big season two, there is already plans to do a big season two. So I'm excited to see more about that game. I absolutely love that game. I still love that game so much. So, uh, I it, it it's hard to even like. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm always happy to feel like this, but it's hard to be excited for things in the future when I'm so excited about the things I have now.
0: Hey, that's a great perspective to have.
1: So hit me with some p uh, games.
0: I played Secret Hitler at my housewarming party. That was an interesting night. So you, you couldn't make it to my housewarming party, but I'll tell you that the first thing that happened, uh, my, my darling fiance sitting in the room with me now, but I will tell you that the first thing that happened was she was making guacamole uh cut open her finger and went to the hospital. So that's a pretty good way to start off a housewarming. Uh You're not reacting to
1: this. Uh, I mean, I see it all the time. I actually just had a call with someone who cut their finger open with a utility knife and bled so much so they got dizzy and hypotensive.
0: Yeah, apparently this is a thing and it's called the avocado hand.
1: I did not know that, but sure.
0: Yeah, and it and it's just people holding avocados incorrectly and cutting themselves. But but apparently, I mean, is it really they're holding it incorrectly? If enough people are doing it wrong, then I have to fault the avocado at that point.
1: It really does feel like they need to balance that.
0: Yeah, the avocado, I feel like they should make some balance changes to that. It's a dangerous yeah, so, item. So you can imagine what it's like as, you know, dozens of people are coming over and and the dog is freaking out because I don't have a way to buzz people in. So every time that I run downstairs to get someone, the dog is freaking out. He does not. He has
1: bad separation anxiety. He,
0: uh, he only bit a few people, but he did. Someone was leaning over to pet him uh, who he definitely didn't like. And Chance bit them. This person spilled their drink on Chance. So that was good. And one time I went downstairs to open the door for someone and chance just pissed on the floor.
1: Well, there you He's go. Just I like, mean, I'm,
0: I'm tired of you going downstairs. I'm just going to piss on the floor.
1: He's like, wait, you're going downstairs to walk, right? So that's what we do together. So whatever, if you're not going to take me downstairs to walk with you, then here's my piss spot.
0: I think that's what happened. So the first two hours were really crazy. Wallace was at the, at the hospital, but she got back. They glued up her finger And uh, actually got to calm down and relax and actually got to bust out Secret Hitler to the surprise of Alyssa. She didn't think I'd be able to make it, get it to the table in the midst of a housewarming party. But lo and behold, Secret Hitler, a game so easy that I got my brother and his fiance in on it.
1: Wow. It feels like Alyssa doesn't know you.
0: But it's that easy. I mean, Secret Hitler is such a great game. Very easy to get to the table. Plays well at five. I played it at. We played it at five. We played it again at seven. After the first five player game, everyone was just like, I need to play that again right away. After I packed it up because somebody was leaving, people were like, no, you have to get more people. We have to play more. And I was like, no, it's just I don't think it's going to work. Let's just relax. But people were people were high on that game. Kevin as the Klein, as it turns out Kevin Klein makes a great fascist he was hitler and he shot me
1: oh my god you know
0: one of the, one of the problems that i have with these social deduction games though is that you know how it how i am when i hit the table with a game i'm the life of the party in the game <laughs> I'm, sure? I'm i'm always i am i talk more than anyone cuz that's table. the
1: best that's the best part about every board game ever
0: it is It absolutely is. But it always, in social deduction games, everyone targets me. How can you not? Like, you got to target me because I'm the one talking. And the people, the fascists or the werewolves or the the hippies, they just want me to shut
1: up. Sure.
0: Frankly, they just want me to shut up. So they, I'm always getting targeted. I'm fine with that. I love that those are the three
1: fascist werewolves and hippies those are the ones that you got to watch out for those are
0: the ones that are always getting me the fascists the werewolves and the hippies but i am looking forward to busting that game out again this weekend i'm looking forward to playing a game of great western trail
1: oh god damn i keep thinking about that game
0: got it coming in uh paul's bringing it over tomorrow we're going to play some of that and i'm going to play some of the new clank apocalypse
1: that's the expansion that for clank in space right
0: clank in space
1: apocalypse well, that game is great.
0: Uh, did you want to talk some more about Root? Because I, I don't know. Have you been thinking about it? Because I've been nonstop thinking about
1: it. I'm still thinking about it. I do. I absolutely do want to talk about more about Root. Because
0: it's a game that I don't we know, didn't give it its about, time, but we did give it its time. We gave it a good 10 minutes last podcast, but that's all that we could really get in. But what we didn't even really talk about, what the different factions are, what they're doing, what kind of games they're playing, the sort of metagaming. And, and you know, I've also been listening to other podcasts, listening to other people talk about this game. It got brought up uh, again on So Very Wrong About Games. And, and they actually called out that it's a game that can fall apart if people are, in, are not playing it the way that they want, like the way that they're supposed to, because it really relies on everybody at the table keeping everybody else in check and if they're not doing that then the game falls apart and and because of that it it can cause some big problems if people are coming to the game at different levels of of uh experience you know what i mean
1: yeah absolutely i and i totally agree because i feel like that was one of our big problems um that uh i was playing it for the first time you understood the game more uh and uh it's it's harder to especially when i'm seeing factions for the first time it's hard to understand like what their win conditions are how, when you help out factions or hurt another faction like what it's it's hard to understand the balance like how you've tipped the scales when you've done that
0: it is for sure and and it doesn't make it any easier that everybody's playing a different game so you know in some of our games that we were playing i i was you know messing around with factions that i'd never seen before in our our last game of the night, Priya was playing the river folk uh, who are a merchant faction opportunist faction
1: that really rubbed me the wrong way. Were... I don't I, I want to talk about I almost want to talk about that whole thing because because there there was like uh, a moment that did break the game not not just because there was uh, a hugely like rules breaking moment where I think she was using movement when she couldn't uh, to get areas. Um, But also, like, the game got unfun when uh, she, like, I was the one kind of helping out that faction because I, 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 okay, so I was playing mechanical, I was playing the not mechanical Marquis, I was playing the Marquis de Cat. And uh, one of the things that the faction really needs is uh, bird cards, because that's how you make your big swingy turns. So there's, all these poker cards in the game and they, they serve different purposes, but one of the purposes and probably one of the main purposes they serve across the board for everybody is that they have a suit and they are a, there is uh, rabbits, uh, foxes and bunnies and then there's uh, birds, which are wild and have different uh, effects for different people um, for, for, for the, for uh, the marquee. Um, they can play, they can discard a bird card to get an extra action and it's really important because that's how you make some of your swing turns. I feel like they're often like you have to make these bigger choices of like, am I going to expand or am I going to defend territory or am I going to build because some of those things take multiple actions, uh, in the same turn. Um, but if you have those bird cards, you can kind of make bigger swing turns where you're able to do multiple big things. But, uh, I wasn't drawing any of them, so I kept having to kind of buy them. Uh, I was using a lot of the services of these river folk, but when you use their services, what I didn't fully understand was that you're giving them, uh, more turns on their turn. Yeah,
0: and not only that, but you are creating opportunities for them specifically to mess with you because they use the 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 money that each faction gives them against them
1: Mm -hmm. i wonder how vagabond how do they work yeah yeah they're they're uh they're uh a nasty faction um it was it was so that kind of like was weird i i'm still thinking about root i i want to play it a lot more and i think that's a great thing to say about a game is like it, there's a couple things that are that are unequivocally amazing about that game. Number one, uh, I don't think that it's actually that difficult of a game. I think it's pretty easy be- because the game has these simplistic rules that kind of bind every faction together, uh, that there's uh, like movement and combat is similar across the factions, that those kind of things are, and then like the suits and the different clearings and those kind of things and the board, all these things kind of bind all the factions together, which make it a little bit more understandable, even when you're playing something that maybe you haven't played against or played as. Um, Yeah,
0: and that could be tricky. I mean, that's definitely the hardest part of the game. Like they need this simplistic rule set. To sort of <clears throat> umbrella the the larger complication, which is really just the way that the different factions, which are very asymmetrical, interact with one another.
1: Yeah. Um. So I I really like how. First of all that, that 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 there's a larger rule set that binds all these asymmetrical factions together and I also really like that as a game itself it's really not hard to set up and take down and I, that is something that yeah. I appreciate more and more Absolutely. like it is like I like you have everything bound into all these bags that basically like I I have, I did the same thing I thought it was a good idea I have all the factions and their specific tokens in specific bags so that if we're going to use a faction, you know, you just take that faction's bag out, the board out, the cards out, the dice out, and that's it. You're ready to go. And I, I, I love that stuff. I think that component wise, it's very simplistic and, uh, I really appreciate it. It's
0: very pretty too. I mean, just, I I love those meeps. It is, it is gorgeous looking from
1: any, From any standpoint, and I love the theme and how it kind of fits it. I I still think it's like a brilliant masterwork of games design uh, that the theme is baked into the uh, gameplay. Uh, it's, It's not just... It, it Like, they could have had a war game that's an asymmetrical war game that has all these different woodland factions. But the fact that it's, like, in a forest and it's these animals and it's this ecosystem where people are helping and hurting each other, uh, I think those are the best moments of the game. Um, so there's a lot to like about it. But I do have, like, some complaints and I don't f- know if they're valid. So I don't want to say that they're, like, you know, hard stop complaints that uh, are definitely 100 true. No matter how many times you play it, um, one of the things that I came away from playing our two rounds of root together, thinking, and probably the thing I would want to lead off with is that I wonder how much skill is involved in that game. Um, maybe it's as be-
0: opposed to luck, or
1: yeah, uh, uh, yeah, so sort of. So, so what I mean is that like the game. Like, you make... You you have to really... You know, you don't have that many things that you're maybe necessarily allowed to do per turn, but it's important that you optimize those things you do on that turn, because if you make a misstep, it's a huge waste, and then the, it kind of goes around the table, and everyone can take turns, like, building themselves up or maybe bringing you down or other people down. And I feel like, like, because of what you said, like, so much of Root is the factions themselves balancing each other out. If the players... Specifically the players yeah, themselves. Yeah, if... if it, the players it, it, that that's see there there is kind of the 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 thing that I fall into is that the players themselves determine so much of the balance of the game and where the game is going and they they talk about like king making and one of the things that I worry about initially with root is that I think that it feels like once you understand all the factions and once you know how to play your specific faction once you know like what a good turn looks like for that faction and like how to do them that. I'd be worried and again, I don't know if this is like really really true, but I'd be worried that there is a low skill ceiling you understand the game and you try and play out your faction but a large part and what uh, of the fear of this game that I have is that the outcome of the game isn't reliant on you making good choices. it's more reliant on what everyone is doing. if the, if the player base, thinks that someone is far ahead and they're not, and they start beating them down, they can do, like, hugely detrimental plays that can, like, take you out of the running for winning the game uh when it's not your turn and you don't really have that much of an ability to even, like, check it. And then you're like, wait, but you you don't even, like, why would you do that to me? So like what you're
0: saying is that the game does not handle players of different skill levels in the same game
1: well. It, it, it doesn't, and... Like, I, I mean, like, I don't want to do this, but one of the games that I'm the most excited about that is, like, and uh, not in the same genre, but is, like, very asymmetrical um, and is also, like, uh, a big, like, you know, building stuff on the map would be, like, Terra Mystica or Gaia Project, and... If you're just good at those games, like, there's a lot of games where, like, with Food Chain Magnator or Terra Mystica or Gaia Project, if there's a worse player uh, or they're making dumb decisions, and they want to hurt you when it's, like, not a good time to hurt you, then, like, you can feel it a little bit, but you can also, like, through your smart uh, choices, overcome it. And I don't feel like that is the game in root. I feel no, like I, it's pretty well, easy for like the so table to just beat the shit out of you. And-
0: I feel like in Terra Mystic and Gaia Project, there's very little player interaction to begin with. So sure, the the better player wins, and that's also due in part to the fact that there's not many ways to stop them.
1: Yeah, but there are like th- there are ways to do that, and there are ways to interact. But they're like in all the games I just mentioned, they're they're a little bit less aggressive and more passive, like. In Food Chain Magnate, you have all this inter- like there's there's some really interesting design into like the ways that you necessarily affect players or screw over their yeah, strategies.
0: Well, Food Chain Magnate is super aggressive. That game is among the most aggressive.
1: Well, if you're gonna say that, if you're gonna say that it's one of the most aggressive, then it f- doesn't feel as bad in Root as it does in Root. Like. I just feel like in Root, there, you, there's...
0: You just t- haven't seen the worst of it, then.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, it it, it just... It, but in, in Food Chain Magnate, it's stuff that they're building to over time. You know that they're going for it. You might have time to pivot. Um, and and in, in Root,
0: it's the same thing.
1: I don't know if it is. Like, I think there's just time... Like, like especially when the games that we played, like, I just felt like there were times where, like, I'm not ahead, and someone's just like, all right, uh, like, like the, there there was the... My, my uh, LTCP just, like, had was getting almost fed by me, and I was using her faction for big power plays that I felt like I was basically boxed into making, and then she used it to, like, crush the hell out of me to the point of, like, losing my keep as the de Cat. and,
0: and and you didn't see it because you were not familiar with that faction, so it was your low experience, was it not?
1: I mean... Some of it's a low experience, but some of it is like you chose me and it put me out of the game. And you
0: chose you because you gave her the funds that she needed to make those plays against you. But because you could have made the, could the plays own- against
1: other someone else. You could have made it against could the, the lizard cult could and not. taken down all your gardens.
0: You could not because she had your tokens. And because she had your tokens, that means that she can put trade posts in places that you rule. That's that's how her faction works. Because you gave her the the means to do it, which I thought was helping me out, because
1: that means I could. Because otherwise, you'd only be able to do one thing with them. But I needed them to do certain things. It was a really cramped map. That was another thing that like felt off about it. I uh I would I would like to play Marquita Cat again and try different strategies with them. That uh, like it was the first time I was playing them, obviously. Um, but I f- and and I felt like there was no indication. Beforehand, that what I was doing like wouldn't be good, but it, because the map was so cramped, it felt like from an early turn that my strategy was to like uh, consolidate power in a certain area, build up those settlements, and then from that like like create uh, units to move around and take over other settlements, and that like did not work out for me at all. It almost feels like I don't know. I would want to play it a couple other times with that faction alone just to understand like what are Optimal plays do I like, you know build all over the place and then figure out later where I should consolidate power rather than Consolidating power early and stuff like that. I don't know. It's uh yeah, I feel
0: like it's all it's all about building because building is what gives you those points You just crunch those points and also just killing the eerie man. That's what it's about uh, uh Attacking in that game going on the offensive is very good unless you're against the Alliance. In which yeah. It's very bad.
1: I, I, I do want to say, like, I don't want my criticism to sound like I hate it. Like, I want to play this game again really badly. And I want to play it again, like, multiple times in one sitting and try different things. And then at the very least, like, be if if, if we're not going to always, if we're not going to have the the uh, returning players that know the, the game, then at the very least, like, play once and play again so that people have, like without new faction, without like having any factions that are a surprise to anybody so that people really understand like the variable powers more um but what like a couple of things that i took away that were just like that 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 are frustrating and not good were like I, and and I just saw them happening and just moments of like just bad seemingly just bad game design of like why would this not be a thing and like it's it's hard to like it's hard to have players encounter this kind of thing so there was one moment where i think it was when you were playing the woodland alliance which are built for fighting because that like the game you roll these two dice and They're one die for defending and the In bigger most. yeah the bigger dice is the attacker's role and the lo- lower dice is the defender's role but with the woodland alliance it's reversed they always get the attacker's role they always get the bigger role. So there's this one moment Department where
0: also, yeah, they have less, they have fewer units than everybody else. And it's very hard for them to put units on the board. So their units are very meaningful. They last imagine they're, they're sort of like, everybody is Rambo each unit. They have, they have, they have one Rambo unit. And then everybody else is coming at them with a uh, generic, generic army dudes. Right? Yeah,
1: sure. I mean, it's not that there you you won't already have answers to the things that happen, but they just felt wonky. Um, so there was like a time where you were playing Woodland Alliance, and even not understanding the fact that Woodland Alliance get the better roll, uh, my LTCP like rolled in with a ton of these cats because she was playing Marquita Cat at the time, and it was it led to this really bad moment of like. A fight and she rolled like one zero which means that if you roll a zero against the alliance that like you are getting that zero because that's going to be like the lowest thing basically uh in in most cases so she like rolls in with a big group to be like i know you're better at fighting but i'm gonna cr- crush this this area and i think it was like not necessarily the wrong play at the turn like looking at the board state was like you know alliance is getting there their their stuff up like now is the time for the marquee to check them and they have a bunch of uh units so rolls in with a big group of units like does one attack roll uh gets like a zero and a three or something like loses some of her units for no gain uh like spends a bird card to be able to attack again attacks again rolls like another zero is like not killing any
0: roll another zero but yeah
1: and then like her luck was
0: yeah she rolled a two
1: one yeah, and that's a time where it's like where like it's it's hard to be excited about like luck completely determining that and being like, "Well, that was kind of a good play sensically, but like wow, did it backfire and you wasted everything to try she and do this." Was
0: attacking my strongest base on the board. And she didn't check me when she was supposed to, which is when the sympathy tokens hit the board.
1: Yeah, but I but again, like it, it seemed kind of messed up that like that that is some that's hard to that's impossible to know in the beginning.
0: Yeah, I mean that would be like me attacking trying to march into the Marquis' castle and destroy them at their castle. That's the equivalent of attacking the base where I have like four soldiers. I, it's, it's four four alliance soldiers, that's a lot. But again, this is a difference of of understanding the game. Essentially the correct way to do it is and, and you know I, I think that this is actually a game where the optimal move isn't obvious because you're you're competing your moves against the enemy moves and and there's quite a few options on the board at once but i actually think the way to do it is to tease them out of the base to lure them away from it to make them make the mistake and not and not just like approach them at their at their fort you know cuz that's just doesn't seem good
1: I mean, but that's also where you get the points for, like, getting a victory, destroying the cardboard. Um, that, the
0: sympathy is cardboard.
1: Yeah. I, I Like, I, I didn't think about that. That's something that I, like, internalized more in the second round, and our friend uh, was playing as Woodland Alliance, and he kept putting sympathy tokens down in my areas, and it made sense for me to battle, and that's something I understood better the second game. So, yeah, sure. Like, it's not to say that all... Like, like I said, it's not to say that my complaints are necessarily good complaints they might be invalidated by playing with by by uh, like the by my understanding of the game growing and by playing with better players and p- people who understand yeah, and, the game more
0: and your ltcp could have won that game but you might remember also that she banked on dominance cards
1: oh yeah that was a weird thing uh, but that was that, that's another thing that the game has like a lot of like weird traps for new people but anyway th- and th- but, that's but almost not
0: traps th- if, you, if you tell them about it and you say hey just so you know
1: yeah, it's you tried to idea, turn her yeah. away from the dominance cards, but she didn't understand. I mean, like, I, that was something that, like, going into the game beforehand, I heard so many people shit talk the dominance cards. So when I saw that, uh, when I saw those pulled, I instantly thought of those as, like, oh, the because uh, I was playing Eerie that game, the first game. And I just felt like, oh, these are to be burned to use for my decree because they're not good to use because i i could i those those um, i could imagine them looking like such a new player trap of like this is easy i could do that um but uh so there was that i feel like one sad moment which might be uh which like i'm sure you might have another answer to is like galloway was playing uh for the first time in the second round and he was playing as the as the eerie and i think he thought what he was doing was like the right turn he kept trying to like march to take different areas but then he kept getting hit with like ambush cards and like this was happening like multiple times and it was just getting to the point of like that's just frustrating like i don't know like that that's a frustrating thing um in a game that has like like and and this is like an overall complaint as well is like the game is has like some major random systems into like how you yeah. operate
0: So let me tell you something about that play and let me tell you about sort of ambush cards in general. So, and, and, you know, maybe I'm, I'm just, I'm, maybe I'm playing devil's advocate here, but you can, he was a new player, right? And so he wouldn't think about this very much, but he was attacking me and I'm playing the lizard cult, right? Every hand, every turn as the lizard cult, you expose your hand you show your hand to the table so multiple times sitting at the table i'm showing my hand to everybody and the ambush cards are there i also bought an ambush card off of priya so there were if it weren't his first game if he's someone who was you know paying attention to all the information available he might know that i have three ambush cards because i had to show them off multiple times yeah, there's... So th- so there is that consideration. There's also the consideration that a lot of the cards you craft in the game allow you access to, like, you can't be ambushed, or uh, you can look at another player's hand this turn. So every turn, before you attack someone, you can take a look at their hand. I, I would say that there are a lot of countermeasures to it.
1: Yeah, I, that was another thing. I, was like, I didn't notice people were necessarily doing those things, like building those
0: experience and and yeah so I think that from this we've definitely concluded the more you play the game the better it's going to be especially if you're playing with other people and learning from them and not just learning the game itself but also the metagame of what you can expect from different people at the table
1: I, I, I think it's a good thing to say that like I can't trust my consensus on it playing the first time I think there's a lot of games where I could say like whether or not I play again if I would like it that much more. And with Rude, it's like, even the complaints I have, like, I don't trust saying them yet. And I, and I was, like, listening to Shut Up and Sit Down's podcast, and they were talking about how, like, they felt a similar thing of, like, they don't understand how much actual skill is in the game yet, but they wanted to play the game, like, a lot before they make a video review of it because it's hard to say like it's it's it the, like with the maybe it's like a bias like when I look at the games that I'm that I had the most fun with like some of the mo- the games that I had the most fun with this year like a lot in a lot of cases there is that like perfect information and there's not that much player interaction but what is there is meaningful and because of that like you get to play your game more than anything and then at the end of the game you look and you're like oh you played your game better and that's exciting uh, to me, at least. Um, but in in Rude, I did feel like it was like confusing in those first two games to like follow like what is actually a good play and what is just there on the board, like what is just obvious and what is like just the, what they're doing anyway, or what is like what af- not- what what is afforded to them by random, like what is afforded to them by. Their randomly drawn hand, or what is afforded them by their their dice rolls, like um the the time that I played as a mechanical marquee, uh, or I keep saying that You
0: never played as the time and I that, know that it's a very rolls off the tongue. The time that I played mechanical. as
1: the as the marquee, um, uh, they had I, I was talking about how one of their I, I really do feel like it's another big part of their game is that if you get those bird cards they allow for big swingy turns where you can make, like, five plays in one move rather than the, the traditional three. And it's, like, you could be drawing, you like, you could get lucky and draw a bunch of bird cards in a game and have, like, way more turns than you would be allowed to have otherwise. But, like, I was drawing, like, in that game, I drew, like, everything was rabbit. Every I was just drawing rabbit, 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 to the point where, I, like, I had to look at Priya's cards and whatever yeah, because she she went after me. Yeah. So so whenever she priced her cards uh if she had face up uh cuz cuz the river folks cards are all face up. Uh if I saw anything that was a bird card, I had to go for it cuz that meant like I get another turn. Cuz I wasn't getting any of the bird cards on my own.
0: Well, you know another thing to consider about the game and uh you know I'll just keep playing Devil's Advocate here is that the first thing that you do in the game is you draw your hand based on the hand that you draw, then you start putting pieces down in the marquee, put their pieces down first, which means that if you draw a bunch of rabbit cards, then you can put yourself in that rabbit clearing to start with.
1: Yeah. I mean, which it was a lot of horseshit rabbit cards can, though, but it was yeah, a lot of, it, it was a lot of the like building a thing to get like a small advantage.
0: You mean victory points? No,
1: um, not always the victory point things. Um, I, that's another thing is like, is like that mechanic overall seems weirdly implemented um, because like to to build a card and get one so like crafting doesn't really take that much out of any of the factions for the most part. So it's kind of easy to craft, but like getting the one victory point doesn't sound like a good idea from the beginning so like it wasn't something that i was focusing that much on for free and, and it helps out the vagabond crafting, more than anyone but uh in that second game we didn't have the vagabond so i should have
0: yeah but, but crafting is free it doesn't cost you anything crafting isn't an action
1: no i know that's what i'm saying
0: so it's pretty good i mean you're getting free victory points can't be can't be upset with that and if and if and if you think of yourself and it's like oh i was five victory points off from winning that's two cards you're two cards that you didn't craft off from winning you know and also, if card draw is a thing, I mean, the marquee do have ways to uh, increase their card draws, right?
1: Uh, yeah, if also you build a craftable... lot of their recruiters or something, I think.
0: And there's also craftable uh, cards that give you more card draw. Uh, at the detriment of, you have to select an opponent, and they also get your card draws. Pretty good for the marquee.
1: Yeah. Um, like I said, uh, really interesting game, and I can't really say that... I can't like I like I can say that I had a lot of fun with it and there's a lot of cool things about it and I really want to play it again. And that's the only thing that I can really say for sure.
0: You know, I think that's the deal with Root and overall, that's
1: the deal with games. I yes, I think so. Uh,
0: You know, after this, I'm going to I'm going to maybe play some Gambit.
1: Um, I might. But I also need to get this podcast edited.
0: But yeah, I probably should play a little bit of
1: Gambit Gambit, because I do want to get on Destiny a little bit.
0: All right, so wtdgpodcast dot com at sign wtdg podcast on Twitter, the best of social platforms, and iTunes. What's the deal with games? Rate, comment, and subscribe to the show.
1: Thank you, Ryan but, Galloway. You, know,
0: you can also do this, and thanks, Galloway.
1: And crying for the use of your music. We use the intro and outro, revive off the new album Beyond the Fleeting Gales. You can find them on the Run for Cover Bandcamp. And this just and, in, uh, another Nintendo. Isabel <laughs> Isabel is announced <laughs> for Smash not a joke this time
0: yeah but who else who else would be we already said the vagabond last week who do we announce this week
1: the uh gaia project artist
0: uh did you know by the way uh had in time on sale today and they've just released a new dlc and if you buy if you buy the game today you get the dlc for free
1: okay so the, the little girl from hat in time is in smash Bros. She would be, would
0: be a good. Probably, she would be a good character. She actually. would be a good, good fit. From the Switch, uh, but that's the good things. Thanks everybody. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, James.
1: And uh, we just don't have a